We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It's a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Stephen. I'm the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with those bulldogs because everyone knows a bulldog cannot stand up to an elephant. Yeah. They were overtaken by the crimson. So for the first time in the history of this podcast, we get to come on the air after a a puppy, UGA loss. A puppy football loss. So the mis- <laughs> the misspelled canines from Athens. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't uh didn't perform. <laughs> and they're whining and moaning and complaining. Yeah, don't you know they should have gotten in the playoff instead of Texas? I I had missed that. I had missed that. They're actually better than Washington. <laughs> yep, but they didn't win the big game uh, for the first time in a while. So uh, our two favorite teams are Georgia Tech and whoever's playing Georgia. So now we're Florida State fans. And so right now we are big Florida State fans. For By the way, reasons. hot sports opinion. This is my take, not Joshua's. I think Florida got the massive shaft and the college football playoff committee should just rename themselves the college football television TV executives because they just, they, you know, forget your season. Doesn't matter if you're undefeated. We want the best TV programming that we can it get. Is. Now, kudos to the after that, putting Georgia and Florida State, the two biggest people with complaints, being able to play against each other. I do give them credit for that. That was good TV, but better TV would have been rewarding a perfect season by the Knowles. Well, it is funny that you know the 12-team playoff is supposedly going to ruin the regular season because there's no longer any stakes. And the college football playoff committee just did that themselves. Yes, they did. They did. And it didn't even need the 12. It was the four team that did it. And unfortunately, I mean, the conference championships now, who cares about that? That that doesn't seem to matter at all. So anyway, let me mute Gosh, my phone. My bot, undefeated my lame. Yeah. You so. only beat Louisville and LSU? Right. Golly. Uh, by the way, give us your hot sports take opinion of the college football playoff committee or – uh, Georgia Tech going bowling or the misspelled canines losing to Alabama. Uh, Joshua Julian 26 at Outlook.com. We would love to hear from you. But we've got tech sports to talk about. We're going to cover volleyball. We're going to cover football with the transfer portal. A little bit of a preview of the bowl game, I guess, and mention it. And then the second half of the show, the deeper dive, will be on the basketball program. Turning things around quickly. The roller coaster ride that is being a Georgia Tech fan in both football and basketball seems to be things are good. Oh, things are terrible. Things are good. So we're going to be back on the things are good side and we'll talk about Oh, that. no. We suck again. <laughs> nice water boy reference. Callback to a yeah. previous episode. Well done. So uh, we let's start with volleyball, shall we, Joshua? Let's do it. The Georgia Tech volleyball team advanced to the regional semifinals for the fourth time in playoff in excuse me in school history and the second time in the last I believe four years. Number five seed Georgia Tech volleyball took down their four seed Florida in the second round game 
they had won their first round uh, game easily. And so it set up the four or five matchup to see who would go to the regional semifinals. The Jackets overcame multiple fifth set deficits to defeat the Gators on their home court. They lost the first set 22-25, then won 30-28, 25-21, then lost 18-25, and then won the final set 16-15. Head coach Michelle Collier was quoted as saying, super excited for our players, for our staff. Obviously, this is something that you pencil in at the beginning of the season, and you hope that you get to, and these guys work their butts off, played a great team, really tough environment, were able to stay resilient, just keep playing and come up with the win. Super proud of them, excited I get to keep them in the gym for a little longer, and we'll see what's next. They advanced, like I said, to the regional rounds for the fourth time. Uh, They had also done it in 2021, 2004, 2003. And so they get to face the number one overall team in the nation in the regional semifinals to play Nebraska Thursday night. 7 o'clock, or excuse me, excuse me, Thursday night, 2 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. So, you know how during basketball season you turn on March Madness and put it up on your computer? All tech fans and alums should be tuning in to ESPN2, pull it up in your on your office TV, pull it up on your ESPN app, and watch the Lady Jackets, the tech volleyball team, take on number one Nebraska Tech now stands at 24 and 6 overall, 13 and 4 in the ACC. They face Nebraska, who is 30 and 1, uh, 19 and 1 in the Big Ten. I believe Nebraska was part of a massive volleyball match earlier this year that was one of the most watched or the highest attended one. I can't remember who their opponent was, but Nebraska's a, a big deal. And Tech is going to, hey, you got a shot. Go to Lincoln, uh, play your best match. See where you stand. Hopefully at the end of five sets or less, you've won three of them. And uh, by the way, the win over number four seed Florida was the first true road win in an NCAA tournament in program history. It was also Michelle Collier's seventh NCAA tournament win, the most of any Georgia Tech head coach. And they're one of three number five seeds to have advanced into the regional rounds after going on the road the first weekend. Penn State and Arizona State also did that. And for our uh, for our great uh, win, we get to go play the number one team in the nation uh, in Nebraska. So good luck to the Lady Jackets. Good luck to the Georgia Tech volleyball team. Bring home that win. Get a massive upset. Let's see how far you can go in the tournament. But well done to this point. Absolutely, yeah. Um, college football. We're going to talk about it a little bit. Even though Georgia Tech will not be playing for the next couple weeks, uh, this is a big time for college football because this is where you start to finalize the roster for next season. The transfer portal officially opened today. We are recording this on Monday night. So people have been entering the portal. Um, so that means Georgia Tech has both been losing people as well as gaining people. So um, they've sent out some offers to some players. I'm scrolling through Rod McKenzie's Twitter because Rod McKenzie is fantastic and stays on top of all of this. I suggest you go follow him and follow his stuff like 24-7. But some of the people that he's mentioned, um, guys like Zaylen Wood, who's a Middle Tennessee State uh, defensive end. They also offered a guard from the, um, them as well. I forget his name uh, at the moment. Uh, but they also offered a couple of other guys, like a Purdue defensive lineman, Su- Suleiman Kapaka. If I'm saying your name wrong, sir, I apologize. Um, the other one that I noticed was Miles Jackson, 
who's coming from Indiana. He went to Mill Creek, so local kid. Always potential for him to come home. Uh, we'll see what goes on there. And then they also ho- hosted a couple official visitors over championship weekend. Two guys that they seem to really be looking to get. Um, edge defender Maurice Davis, who has offers and has taken visits to Louisville, Old Miss, and South Florida. Ole Miss seems to be the front runner, but Georgia Tech is trying to get in on that. And the other big one is Caleb Dozier, linebacker out of Alabama. Uh, he's been a Mississippi State commit since last April. Uh, I believe he decommitted. Let me make sure of that on 24-7. Yes, he officially decommitted after the official visit. So Georgia Tech may have made a ton of headway there. Um, I believe in the composite, he's about 1,300. But he's 6'3", 225, so he's got a really good frame as a linebacker. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with those two guys. Uh, a couple other guys, obviously, that Tech is looking at as commits. Uh, but the big thing to talk about right now is the people from Tech jumping into the transfer portal because the transfer portal giveth and it taketh away. So Georgia Tech currently has four players on the first day in the portal. The most notable one is Kyle Kennard, mm. uh, defensive end, had six and a half sacks this past season, was Georgia Tech's best pass rusher, and was a starter the last at least two years. He has entered the portal. I would expect him to get some pretty, uh, pretty significant interest. He sure. Is, he is a very good, good player. player. I'm good assuming player. that he is looking to get on a bigger um, platform to potentially go to the NFL draft. He's been with Tech since 2020, so this will be his fourth year of college football this next year. Is he a grad transfer, I wonder? Um, um, no, I guess not. He's got that one transfer point. Doesn't matter. There's Doesn't matter. there's a chance. I don't know. Keenan Johnson is a grad transfer. He's in the portal as well. Uh, DB, he started a couple games for Georgia Tech. Also, I mean, he he was up and down is the way I just saw it described as. He was not the greatest, but he was not the worst. He was a above-average defensive back. I expect him to make more or less a, a lateral transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two, Jamie Felix, running back, uh, he was a very – he was a pretty highly regarded prospect, and he played a pretty big role the last couple games last season when Brent Key was the interim. Um, he got some touches in the backfield this year. Kind of got pushed out with Dante Smith returning, Jamal Haynes changing positions and playing so well, plus Trey Cooley. Um, and then there's a couple other running backs coming in in this class, so he might have saw it as I need to go somewhere else to get my opportunities. Sure. <laughs> and then the last one 10, is 10, another ten ten. Edit that out. Yes, is another um, grad transfer, Wing Green, offensive tackle. Um, he has not gotten on the field nearly at all for Georgia Tech. Uh, so that kind of explains why he is leaving. Uh, offensive tackle, even when the offensive line wasn't great, he wasn't really playing. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, again, we wish these guys nothing but the best. Sure. You know, good good luck in your future endeavors. But listen, especially Kyle Kennard, and in today's college football, we will say this every year, it's a completely different deal. I, I can't fault Kyle Kennard especially. He gave us He gave us a lot of effort. He is a he seems like a great kid, great guy. I, I wish him nothing. I wish all of them. I wish them good success where they where they land. And if you guys work hard and get a chance to play somewhere else, good luck to you. Kennard, whoever gets him, is is getting a high motor guy and a great rush the passer guy. So we'll, we'll he'll be hard to replace, but I trust we can. So yeah. 
All right, the other football news we need to talk about, it is time to talk about the bowl game because the roller coaster ride of being a Georgia Tech Athletics fan this year continued even in the way they announced the bowl game. So we're sitting around yesterday, my wife and I are, and she is following the college football playoff uh, show to kind of, we want to see exactly when they announce Tech in the bowl game. I'm, I'm re, re, uh, uh, renewing some website, I'm, I'm recycling, refreshing. Thank you, uh, refreshing some re, uh, some showing your age. Yeah, there, some website. Hey, 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 back off. Take that out. Eleven fifty-five. We're editing no, that. No, not yes. taking that out. All right. Well, then leave, the, then leave the sneeze in. Fine by me. Okay. Less the, work for me. The sneeze was at ten ten. Anyway, so I'm sitting there on the website, and we finally see it. I see it first on the website. Hey. Looks like they've announced it. Tech is going to the Birmingham Bowl. And we're like, woo! So we start texting everybody that we know. And we're talking about, should we go? And are we going to travel there? And yada, 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 yada. And then I get a text. And it might have been from you. might have no, been from, from, uh, from friend, friend of, of show, show Kent. I didn't know who, either. Who texts back and says, hey, what's this all about? And so then it says, Georgia Tech Gasparilla Bowl. This is about an hour after the Birmingham Bowl announcement had been made. And so in the roller coaster ride, Tech was going to the Birmingham Bowl, and then it, they switched with Duke, and they're going to the one that Joshua actually predicted at one point, the wow. Gasparilla Bowl, the yes. Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa, I believe on Friday the 21st. Is that is that the – I'll look it up. All right, so. Yeah, so Georgia Tech got switched out uh, because they Duke was the one originally going to the Gasparilla Bowl, but they played – UCF last year in the bowl season. So to avoid a rematch, because I mean that's kind of a little boring, the whole beauty of bowl season is you get to see teams play other teams that they normally wouldn't play. They switch Duke and Georgia Tech. So Duke will be in the Birmingham Bowl against Troy. Georgia Tech on the 22nd, 6.30 p.m., ESPN, Gasparilla Bowl, Tampa, Florida, UCF. So the cool part is both teams are 6-6. Six and six. UCF was their first season in the Big 12. They went three and six in the in the so Big difference 12. Difference is UCF was ninth six in the Big Twelve. Yeah, we were fourth, in, fourth. The, in the ACC. So um, so that that's interesting. Obviously, we had bigger wins against bigger opponents, but I don't know. They they did beat Oklahoma State. Okay, who was in there? They were in, they the, were in the conference, conference championship, championship game, but they also lost to West Virginia and Baylor. Yeah. So two roller coaster teams. They it's their first season at the Power Five level. They've yeah. been playing in the AAC for the last couple yep. Of years. Yep, for many um, years. So they're not. You know, they have Gus Malzahn as a head coach. Absolutely. So expect some fireworks. I believe we played them a year or two ago. Yes, I, they beat us. They yes. they ran all over us. Yeah. So so a little bit of a revenge game uh, because of our dark desert that we went through with he who shall not be named. He who will be named, the interesting, of course, uh, Tech uh, fans and alum of any age, recognize that when George O'Leary left Georgia Tech, he went to UCF. So nice little connection there between the two programs. Uh, that, I'm sure, will be. And, and O'Leary had been honored with the 2003 team this year uh, on the field, I believe, at the Syracuse mm-hmm. game. So it, it'll be a nice moment. I'm sure they'll get some quotes from O'Leary. Uh, and we'll see what happens. But like you said, a PM game, I, I think that's better. The, the Birmingham, the Birmingham Bowl is 11 a.m. Well, central time, 12 Eastern. Uh, Still. Start. Yeah. So 20, so the 22nd on Friday. Yes. Uh, and it'll be, like you said, on ESPN, good chance for the team to finish the year with a win. 
beat a Power 5 school, beat a Big 12 school, uh, two 6-6 six and six teams. We'll see what happens, man. Go go make it happen. I don't think I don't think anybody's going to sit out or declare they're not playing. Well, so. we'll see. Who knows? It depends yeah. on the feedback you get. Obviously, Kennard won't be playing because he'll be on a different team. Right. Um, but it depends, right? Uh, who knows what kind of feedback these kids are going to be getting in the draft process. I don't, as someone who does follow all the drafts pretty, pretty closely, I don't see anybody necessarily sitting out because they want to preserve their stock. Cause none of these guys have necessarily cemented themselves as like day one or day two NFL picks. Uh, the ones that have the biggest shots are the ones that aren't draft eligible in all honesty. Um, especially with a guy like Haynes King could go into the draft, but I don't see Haynes going into this draft because there are so many quarterbacks that could be in this draft. And it's going to be a tough, tough quarterback class from Caleb Williams to Drake May to Jaden Daniels. I mean, it, there's a lot of talent going into the, into this class. So I, I see Haynes playing one more year. Attack. I will make a hot sports opinion, which we don't normally do on this podcast. I, there's no way Haynes is leaving. He, he's back. He's going to play the bowl game. He is so committed to this team, and he wants one more year, and I think he wants another chance yeah. to see this team take the next step forward. So kudos. And I don't think anyone is going to sit out. I, I think everybody's playing. I think all the seniors who, you know, Dante, guy like Dante, think about Dante Smith. You know, he played in a bowl game his, his fr- freshman year. He's going to have a chance to go out a winner. He's going to have a chance to take this team all the way back. If we had been playing in multiple bowl games like we did with CPJ, yeah, I could argue that. But first time in five years, these guys all want to participate in that and have a nice send-off, which honestly is one of the unique things about college bowls when you get a team like this who hasn't been in a while. It's it's awesome. It's great. And I want it to become common <laughs> and and go to better games so all right we, we're there we'll we'll see what happens all right it's time oh it's time it's time it's basketball time so the roller coaster ride of the basketball season took a positive turn last week when we mentioned the the horrible loss against cincinnati followed by the amazing win against 21 ranked mississippi state and someone who sits to the side of me and wants to do this professionally kind of said, oh, man, I hope we, hope we show up against Duke and we don't lose by 20. Because Duke was the number seven team in the nation. And they came into what used to be known as the Thriller Dome, now known as McCamish Pavilion, and might get a nickname soon if this keeps up. Because the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets took down the Pukies from Duke and beat them. 72-68, and let me get out of the way and let professional sportscaster Joshua tell you all about it. Well, you kind of buried a lot of the main information that I was going to say, Stephen. Uh, Duke did come in as the number seven team. In all fairness, they were a number seven team that had lost a game before this. They lost to Arkansas, which in all fairness, Arkansas is a pretty good basketball program. Um, they've, um, and they lost earlier in the year to Arizona, but Arizona is one of like the five to 10 best teams in the nation. They're a, they're a legitimate championship contender looking for the actual word there. They're one of the best teams. So Duke had lost. Refresh. Refresh. The word is refresh. Yes. There you go. So they came in against Georgia tech opening ACC play. And let me tell you, this is not like one of those games where, you know, tech made a late run at the end and. You know, a good five minutes changed the game. Georgia Tech led every minute of this game except for a minute 38, and that was at the end of the second half. And if anything, that makes this even more impressive because Duke did chip away 
at the end of the game and did end up taking a lead, and Georgia Tech was able to hold on and maintain. And it really came down to the two true freshmen at the end of the game. And those are the two most notable performers. So first of all, Nate George did get the start again at point guard, played 28 minutes, only had two points. He was one of six from the field and 0 of four from three. Might not sound like a great stat line. He had nine assists. Mm -hmm. I can't think of the last time a Georgia Tech guard had nine assists. Probably Jose Alvarado. And he handled a lot of pressure by Duke, a lot of full court pressure. He handled it very, very well. Made some freshman mistakes, but he handled it very well. Sorry, go on. It's all good. And then the other one, if you look at plus minus, he was the most valuable player on the tech side by far, Bay Ndongo. I, that is how you say it. I, I believe it's it Bay Ndongo. I, I, I looked it up in the media guide and it was not. Is it Bay or is it It was Bay? not necessarily. The announcers were saying Bay. Bay Ndongo. Yes, Bay Ndongo. We're going to figure it out eventually, buddy. Hey, I hey, Bay or Bay, please come on our podcast. We'd love to talk to you about how to pronounce your name correctly. After getting the start against Mississippi State, he was he got the start again against Duke. And let me tell you, he stuffed the stat sheet like a Thanksgiving turkey. 21 points on 9 of 11 shooting, 1 of 2 from 3, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 blocks, and 1 steal with only 1 turnover. So the true freshman and the big the big time plays were down the stretch at the end of the game. After Duke had taken that lead and it was a back and forth game, Nate George and, well, how do I say it again? Bye. Bye and Dongo. Nate George and Bye and Dongo. Pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. And it ended in 2 lobs to Indongo mm. from Nate George that were on the money, emphatic jams, yep. got McCamish rocking, and put Georgia Tech ahead for good. So Joshua had to work and was unable to uh, watch this in game in its entirety. He may or may not have had it on his phone at one point, trying to uh, sneak peeks while he was working. I got to watch the entire game, and let me tell you, the – the offense was there. The defense won this game. Mm. They were boxing out the entire game. I, I have said in previous games, boy, if they could play defense the way they have in stretches, then they would be an incredibly hard team to beat as long as the offense doesn't fall off a cliff because I think this is a pretty decent offensive team with a lot of decent weapons and can do various different things when they move and, and that kind of stuff. I, I think it they're going to be a 70s, you know, they're going to average in the 70s fairly regularly and comfortably, even if they're not playing their best offensively. They really played great defense against Duke. Bayan Dongo was fantastic on the offensive end, but he was taking Filipowski man-to-man on the block and doing a pretty darn good job against yeah. him. Duana started the game and he was clearly in there to body up Filipowski, did a fantastic job. And but but and they played together and Dongo and, and Duana played together, which was like, oh, 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 we actually have some size. And that <laughs> that was pretty interesting and, and enjoyable to watch. And the other uh the other most valuable player was Kowasi Reeves, man. Yeah, and, and I was really, going to get to him. Yeah, really, Tech, I mean, did so many good things. I'm sorry, did I interrupt your A little bit. I was going to hit on the fact that there I, were two humbly, other jackets in double humbly, digits. I humbly submit. Two other jackets in double digits. Miles Kelly, 16.7 rebounds. 5 of 13 shooting, but he hit some big threes down yep. the stretch. Uh, Kowasi Reeves as well, 14 points on 5 of 7, 4 of 5 from 3. He has found his role as the 3 and D forward, yeah. who provides a little bit of pop. 
Uh, Kyle Sturdivant also had six points and four assists off the bench, continues to be the heady veteran who comes in and runs the offense when Nate sits. Um, it just And Tyson Claude had eight rebounds in 17 minutes off the bench. That's uh, that's impressive as well. Yeah. So, listen, this this team is starting to find itself. I, I think – I think we can see, and, and Joshua said this to me as we were talking about the game, I think Nate George and Bayan Dongo are, are absolutely, you used the word steal. I yeah, because they were relative. I mean, Nate George was a reclassified guy who wasn't ranked in his own class. Yeah. Nobody really knew who he was. He yeah. had a good performance at Peach Jam and then reclassified. And Dongo was, he was ranked, but it was like down there on the list. Like not a ton of not a ton of people knew, really knew what was going on with him because he had come over from overseas and played one year, I think, in Arizona. Yeah, like Putnam or something. Yeah. So I, I think one of the things that's so interesting, there's a lot of talent out there, and Damon Stoudemire is showing that he is well connected. Yeah, and he knows where to, and he knows what he wants. That's what I keep going back to. He is he is building a team around what he wants. And by the way, I don't know how many more times I will say this in the basketball season. If you have not ever listened to a Damon Stoudemire press conference, and I don't think he's that great at press conferences yet, find the one for this postgame. He just really likes to talk about accountability. What a fantastic postgame press conference because he gave the players all the credit and he talks about the process that he's going through and how these guys are trusting him and he is then trusting them. And these guys are showing up for each other. These guys are playing well. He mentioned how Amari Abram, in particular, has "quote unquote" lost his minutes. I, I don't know if that's that's my quote, not his quote. But he said the guys that that have been shifted out are still working, are still doing what they need to do, are still helping. This is a very, very deep team with no real massive stars. That if they continue to play hard together, and and I will continue to tip the hat to the guys who were here from last year. The three who have played, Lance still hasn't. I don't know what. I'm I'm hoping Lance gets back on the floor soon. But man, Debo and Miles and Sturdivant, they have they they are the glue. It seems yeah. that have really been the foundation and and doing what they need to do to help this team win. Debo Coleman is a very tough defender. Mm-hmm. He he is not the fastest of foot, but man, he was moving his feet against Duke. Miles Kelly. You know, a couple years ago, you saw Mike DeVoe after he lost Jose. Hey, is he going to step up and be that leader? He never really took that role, especially no. on the defensive end. Miles Kelly is is really putting out effort on the defensive end. And they are playing a very tough man-to-man. They're not automatically switching. They're fighting over because they believe they can recover. And it's, it's fun to watch. And they've got this kind of blanket around the three-point line zone that they play. It's really kind of a matchup man-to-man. It's it's fascinating. And if they box out, they are going to be a tough out. And they are going to be the kind of team that people don't want to play. And if they continue to improve and really find some groove offensively, and I think what has really sparked these last two games is Nate George being a true point. Player. Yeah. His just, deal for the game is just, unmatched. Yeah. Just, well, he's on the he, team. On the yeah. Team, on just the team, on facilitating the a lot in the offense. Now. In the Duke game, you raised a good point at the very beginning. They went, they got off to a great start. They held them off at halftime. They had another great run in the second half. And then Duke did what really good teams do. It was not their day. They were not playing that great. And our defense was, was making it harder on them. But they chipped away. 
chipped away and chipped away. And they just kept coming and kept coming and they grinded to get it back to even. And we did what we needed to do to finish that game. And it was, you're right, it was two big alley-oops. It was good defensive play and only one shot for them on offense. And they made a they made a couple of mistakes. We we held off one of their uh one of their guys who was it that started, or actually he didn't start, and he's been yeah, Mitchell uh had we just played way off him and a couple times in the game he drove and got some baskets. Then he did it late and was way out of control, which showed why we played off him. We got a turnover on that, and then they went for a final shot to tie the game and just didn't really get it off. They didn't have a good play. So we were the better team. We've got a big win, two big wins against ranked teams. Uh, one of uh, Somebody had texted me and said, hey, do you think we'll be ranked? Clearly, we haven't done enough yet we, to be ranked. We're receiving votes. In the latest AP poll, we got two votes. There you go. All right, that's better than nothing. So some people have taken notice. <laughs> now, here's the interesting thing. So those are two great wins. Guess who we play? We are recording this Monday night ahead of the basketball version of Clean Old Fashioned Hate. <laughs> and we get to go up to the biggest dump of an arena in the Southeast for playing basketball. Good old Stegman, uh, Stinky Stegman Coliseum. And we get to and we got to see where we were against Duke, and I hope we don't believe our own press, and I hope we don't think we're all that in a bag of chips yet, because Damon did say this: if if we if we show up and play bad, anybody is going to beat us, which we've seen. Yeah. But if we show up and play well, we can beat anybody, and so they're that kind of team this year, and, and we'll see if we can keep building. It's important to note with the Duke game, it, beating Duke is impressive no matter what. But there were some. I mean, they're they're a team in transition. Right, they've yeah. still got plenty of freshmen they're trying to break in. And Proctor got hurt. Ty, yeah, Tyrese Proctor is a big time talent that got hurt in the first minute of the game. He is their point guard. Yeah, uh, but they did still have Jeremy Roach, who is a point guard as well. Um, and then Kyle Filipowski is kind of been miscast this year, at least according to NBA evaluators that I follow. He's more of a four that's being asked to play as a five a lot with Duke. So, but he's still big enough. Um, you know, against the Georgia Tech of like last year, he would have been given Rodney Howard buckets left, right, and center. Well, speaking of the Georgia Tech of last year, it was mentioned multiple times on that broadcast that Duke came into the Camish Pavilion last year and won that game by 43 points. Yeah. No, it did. 86 to 43. And that last year's Duke team wasn't, I mean, they were just, they're about the same talent level. Right. So um, it's, a, it's a win you'll like, it is what it is, right? People get hurt all the time. Um there's some notes, but it's still a good win regardless because Duke's backup point guard is still a very talented player. Right. He's at Duke for a reason. So, <laughs> listen, we play Georgia uh, Tuesday night. And then Saturday. Saturday yep, go ahead. Alabama A&M, who is 1-6 and six on the year. Just yep. to throw that out there. And then they have an entire week off where they will then play Penn State Saturday the 16th. The so those are Big the Big Ten Challenge. Those yep. are the next three games. And, and then, then UMass, and then you get into, then the you're ACC. into the ACC starting in January. So we've got uh, we've got four more games for the for the entire month of December. So you got, you know, you got clean old-fashioned hate, and, and then you got a, a couple of, a cupcake, and then a couple of, you know, a Big Ten team who's not at the top of the division. But they're still Big Ten team and UMass. So a couple of teams kind of like you. So let's see where we're at, and then we get into the teeth of the ACC schedule. This is going to be an interesting ACC season. You, you have told me you think they're a little, it's a little down 
but I think it's very deep in the amount of quality that we have. We might not have a lot of, oh, they're at the very top, but the I think quantity. Yeah, quality. their quantity of 10 or 11 teams. There's there's not a lot of easy wins in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, Clemson is Clemson's looking even better than they were last year. They're yep. really good last Miami's year. Miami's legit. UVA will <laughs> always play everybody tough. North yeah, Carolina's, North Carolina's got good talent. You know, it, it's it, you know, the bottom of the division, Notre Dame, Louisville, you know, Wake Forest, Florida yeah. State, you but can't necessarily no, count out because Larry Hamilton's a yeah, great coach. Absolutely. But Syracuse is going through a transition. They've got a new head coach. Pitt lost a whole ton of talent. Uh, Boston College is remaining hilariously league average. Not hilariously, but they're league average. Um, it's it, There will not be a ton of easy games in the ACC. Well, right? Outside of maybe the bottom three and then a couple here or there, it's going to be – a bunch of teams that are probably just like you. So I'm hoping we don't continue to ride this roller coaster, but they're all figuring each other out and we'll see how this team comes together and we'll see what they do. We'll be here to walk it through with you. And we hope we, we want to thank you. We'll, we'll end the show with this, Joshua. Mm-hmm. You gave me uh we, we joked a couple episodes ago about how our joke of dozens and dozens of uh, what's the good word podcast fans and we can't say that anymore because we're starting to be, uh, you know, we're starting to be in a conversation with a few more people. And that is all because of you guys. Absolutely. We thank you so much. We don't do any bot stuff. We don't do any, you know, we don't pay marketing companies to get fake numbers so that we can say we have fake listeners. Every single person who listens to this show is a tech fan or a tech alum. And we've said it many times. I'm going to continue to say it because we would like to grow this audience a little bit more. And, well, actually, a lot more, and it's because every single one of you know at least one tech fan and tech alum, and we call the show What's the Good Word because when you see a tech fan and tech alum, I hope you guys are asking that question because we always love the answer to hell with Georgia with a small g. And then we, after that, maybe you could just shout out, hey, you should listen to that podcast. Um, we try to be slightly entertaining. We might be slightly annoying, but we like to just cover tech athletics and we so appreciate you guys listening to us. I have rambled on and on like a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a hell of an engineer, even though I've majored in something other than engineering. But that's another story for another time. I will finish this podcast. This is the longest ramble in history. Joshua's got his eyes wide. Like he is like, when is this going to end? And I feel like this is a Jim Gaffigan joke where I just keep going on and on and on. And you're wondering how long it'll go. I would like to finish with the most important question. Joshua, why don't you ask it? What is the good word? To hell with Georgia.